Thank you, Colin. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Um, as you can see, my video is muted, and it is very much on purpose. Um, I typically when I when I preach on Sundays, you know, I'll show face, I'll do all that. But I really, I really liked Alice's sermon last week, and you know, on top of it being just a very powerful message. She needed her camera, and I just felt like I was so much more tuned in for that reason. Um, it's not really a scientific thing, <clears throat> but they do say that, you know, people who are blind usually outperform those who are sighted because, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're compensating, they're overcompensating now for their inability to see, so their hearing is just a little bit more fine-tuned. So... I'm hoping that you guys really tune in today. Um, uh, just, you know, speaking on something that God has laid on my heart, um, something that I think is really relevant and something that I think we'll all be able to kind of walk away with. Um, before I open us up in prayer, I do want to just thank God, I guess in testimony format, just really thank God for how far he's brought all of us. At this particular point in time, um, the teachers and I were speaking on Friday about, like, the fact that we've managed now all these months in quarantine um, with these online Zoom calls. And I think that just speaks to the enormous faithfulness of God. Like, we, we entered, like, this, this COVID season really unsure about what the state of the world was going to be the state of the youth, the state of just our faith. Um, but God has really brought us to December. And not everybody made it this far. I'm sure not a lot of churches have been able to withstand, like, all the changes. Um, but as a youth, right, as young people, we have kept our sights on God. And we're here. And, again, I just have to give thanks to God for that. So I'm going to go ahead and, and pray us in to the Lord today. Father, thank you so much for all that you are and all that you've been to us. God, it is because of your faithfulness, your grace, your goodness that we are all here today. And we're here, God, because we want to hear from you. We ask that you will be here on this call, in this service. Lord, speak through me. Let your message ring loud and clear to your children, O oh God, and let us all walk away with something, O oh Lord, that will remain in our hearts, O oh God, a reminder of your faithfulness, your goodness, O oh God, towards all of us. We love you, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, guys, so today's sermon slash teaching is going to be taken from Matthew chapter 22. Um, I'm going to read it. It's a very, very common parable that is read and taught on. Um, but I think it's a, it's also a very like vital one, a very critical parable because I think we often miss things in parables, you know, as we sort of know and understand Jesus to be a storyteller. Um, you know, he didn't go around like teaching and preaching. Um, and, and telling these parables just because he was bored and wanted to, like, animate, right, the, the narrative of what the gospel was. He really wanted to sort of ignite our imaginations and help people really understand the reality 
of this faith and and really challenge our assumptions about what we think the gospel is about. Um, So parables are meant to help us really gain understanding from God's perspective, from Christ's perspective. And they are really, really effective because it, it was as if it was like another language in which Christ was able to connect with the people um, both of God and even of the Gentiles. So um, we're going to read Matthew 22, which is the parable of the great feast. And we're going to kind of break it down. And we're going to take away the message that God wants us to hear today. So Matthew chapter 22 says, Jesus also told them other parables. So at this point, Jesus has been you know, preaching to crowds of people and he's gone through a couple of parables already and it comes now to this parable of the great feast verse 2 says the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son when the banquet was ready he sent his servants to notify those who were invited but they all refused to come So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fatted cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their towns. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with great with guests but when the king when king came in to meet the guests he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding friend he asked how is it that you are here without wedding clothes but the man had no reply then the king said to his aides bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. So the last the last verse in this scripture, for many are called, but few are chosen, is is really like that that key that key scripture I believe that everybody um, really quotes from because this story essentially summarizes that. Um, And so in understanding the scripture, we have to know that this particular parable is about the kingdom of heaven. And a lot of the stories really that Christ told, all those parables were related to the kingdom of heaven to help people and his followers really understand like, all right, what what are the steps that one needs to take in order to be united with God, in order to be united with Christ? So... This is a story particularly about a king who was throwing a great feast for his son who was about to get married. And Bible scholars or those who read the Bible often 
um, are aware that like the whole theme of like weddings and brides and feasts, like it's a common motif in the Bible because it often, it really just represents the love of God, the love of Christ, and the feast really being just that glorious day where we're all united with Christ, right? Where we're just in, in utmost joy and um, we're in eternity, we're in heaven, we're in that place that God has prepared for us. So this is a common theme that we see in the New Testament. And so I think, you know, in, in using similar themes in his parables and in his stories, people are able to sort of get the picture here, okay? Um, <clears throat> so it goes through and it talks about this feast. And it's I think it's pretty it's a pretty straightforward story, right? It's a king who's throwing this great feast, sends out his servants to go and invite the, the people who were initially chosen, right? And at some point, we'll do some, like, maybe like a theology breakdown to sort of understand the gospel and how it was originally intended for the Jewish people. Um, because essentially, Jesus Christ was a descendant of David. He was a descendant of Abraham. And when Christ came, really, to save the world, initially, that call was for Jewish people, right? And you can see that throughout the Old Testament narrative is 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 the, the descendants of Abraham, the Israelites, are waiting for their Messiah. They're waiting anxiously for the coming of Christ. And when it gets to the time that Christ actually comes, those same people that, that Christ came to save actually rejected him. And so, um, you know, God holds Jewish people to a certain standard because, yes, they are God's chosen people. But the Bible also makes it clear here through this parable that, you know, for those people who denied or rejected the gospel, they rejected Christ, uh, they, they were subject to punishment, okay? And um, a lot of people, I think, have associated that with all of the trials and all of the issues that the Jews have had to endure over the course of history. Um, and so that's, that's really kind of the snippet about this initial part where the king sends out his servants to invite those who are invited to come, right? And so they go through, they're sending out these invitations, and, you know, some are like, eh, they're just turning it down. They're going back to their businesses, going back to, you know, do their own thing. And then some of them even go as far as murdering and abusing um, the servants, right? Which which obviously makes God really, really upset. And so the Bible says here in this parable that by the time they come back, the feast is already prepared. Like everything is ready to go. But those who weren't invited didn't end up showing up, Right. And so the king instructs his servants to then go out and go in the street and just invite everybody and anyone who is willing to come, anybody who's willing to participate. <clears throat> and that really, <clears throat> excuse me, that really represents the, the whole gospel going out to the nations of the world, okay? It doesn't mean that, that you know, that the, the gospel was not directly for like Gentiles for us. 
It just means that initially God had this covenant with Jewish people. He had this covenant with Israelites. And in Christ's coming, he was going to fulfill that promise, fulfill that covenant. Jesus Christ never turned away non-Jewish you know, non, uh, people or non-Israelites. Uh, it just goes to show that initially that's what he had come, those are the people he had come to save. So when it came to the point where Christ comes and he's now extending this, this offer of redemption to everybody in the world, it's a matter of people accepting it and, and coming, right? Or so we think. Um, but the, the Bible makes it clear to us in this passage that eventually this feast hall was filled. You know, people did accept the invitation and they came up. But verse 11 is where I want us to really, really focus and make sure we, we, we get a full grasp of this morning. Verse 11 says that when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Okay. Now, you know, all of us here, God willing, one day we'll get married and we'll have a wonderful celebration. And, you know, when we are wedding guests, when we go and show up to other people's wedding, out of respect for them, we want to dress the part, right? So number one, like as a female, right, as a woman, you're usually not going to show up to a wedding wearing white because you know that the bride traditionally is going to be dressed in a white gown. It's her special day. You don't want to take any of that shine or that light. So you're not going to wear white, right? Um, you're going to you're going to be considerate of what you're wearing. You're going to dress up. Maybe you're not going to go over the top, but you're going to want to make sure that your attire fits the occasion. If you're invited to to paint somebody's house or there's some sort of community cleanup or something, if you come up in some sort of business casual attire, people are going to look at you like you're crazy because it's like, look, here's the job that's going to be done. Here's the setting. Here's the occasion. But you're not dressed for it. Right. And so it'll really confuse people and, and make you look kind of odd because it, it was very clear what you're, what you're here to do. And so this is the same sort of thing that's happening here in this parable. Is the king, I'm sure he's delighted, right, that people have answered the call. That's great. That's awesome. But then he comes to this feast, mind you, that he has prepared for his beloved son, all right, took his time, probably a lot of money, attention, care, and here comes this person, right, who's not even dressed for the occasion. Like, and it, it just, it, for me, I think it's it's just uh, an outward display of disrespect. It's like, you know, here we are, we've put all this together really to celebrate this joyous occasion. And you couldn't even come in the decency of dressing the part, right? And so the Bible says that this king takes a very, very harsh approach. He tells his people, his aides, to bind this man up and throw him outside where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Another sort of phrase or terminology that we hear um, most rampant in the New Testament. But that's, but that's really what I want to focus the word and the message on today, guys. Because I believe that we're in the 21st century. You know, there's a lot of believers. There's a lot of Christians. There's a lot of people who wear this title, guys. There's a lot of people who answered that call, right? They got the invitation. They heard that there was some sort of 
there was some sort of grace or there was a gospel. There was something that was being offered in the church that, that intrigued them. And maybe they came, maybe they showed up, right? But when it comes to this great feast that God has prepared for us, when it comes to this heaven that God has set aside for us, he's prepared for us, right? Through his son, Jesus Christ, his one and only son, there's more that we got to do than just accept the invitation. There's more that we got to do than just show up, right? Like, as amazing as it is that throughout the course of these months, we've all been tuning in, we've all been logging in on Sunday mornings. That's great. Some of us have been really consistent with calling in for our men and women Bible studies. That's really great. But, but I think what God wants us to know is that at the end of the day, that's just not enough. That can't be enough, right? Because showing up is just is just a part of it, right? Anybody can show up, right? The devil could have showed up to this feast here, right? Anybody could have been there, right? But it's 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 the dressing the part, dressing the part, right? Coming in the attire and the clothing. In, 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 in just the full essence that you should, right? It's, it's showing up as you should that gets people set, set back, right? And I think that's what I want us to just really, really keep in mind here is that we need to ask ourselves, like, am I, have I just shown up? Like, am I just here just to be here? Or when I look at myself or I evaluate myself or I go to Christ, I, I am fully clothed and adorned in the material that makes it clear that I am prepared for this bridal feast, right? And in our case, we are prepared for eternity. What does that look like, right? It's it's an attire that we wear. But for us, it's more specifically that the Holy Spirit, right, that's in us. So this parable speaks of it more so as what's on the outside and how you appear, but I think in practical sort of real terms, it's really about what's in us and who we really are on the inside. Because essentially, when we, when we meet our maker, when we get to God, that's going to be the evaluation. It's not going to be about how you present yourself, what you say, what you think you knew, right? Because remember, the Bible makes it very clear. Uh, I, I believe it's in Matthew as well. The Bible says that, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, right? But only the ones who do the will of God, right? It's, it's the ones who come dressed like, right? Dressed like they are prepared for eternity. Dressed like they are prepared for this place that God has for us. So then it kind of begs the question then, what does that look like? Like, how do we know, Olivia, if... If we're really in this in this in this place now, where we're not just we're not just people who showed up, we're not just the guests who showed up and weren't and weren't dressed for the um, the occasion, but we really are believers. Um, I think the answer is really simple, guys, and it's really really straightforward. And that's just in whether or not the Holy Spirit lives in you, whether or not the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And throughout the course of this year. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I think there have been elements of different teachings from a lot of the other teachers and guest speakers that have kind of um, tapped into that, right? With what what it would look like? How how do we do this? How do we how do we live this life? How do we live this um, this Christian walk? And 
it's not easy, right? It's not promised or guaranteed to be easy because of our sinful flesh and our sinful nature. But, but God is real, number one, we have to establish that. Jesus Christ is real, right? He came and he died for our sins, and in that, there is power, right? And I think a lot of question, a lot of Christians just kind of leave it at, okay, I was a sinner, and I was supposed to die, and God loved me so much, he sent his son to die for me so I wouldn't have to die. And they just leave it at that. Like that to them, that's the gospel. But that is such a dangerous place to be because in that sense, if that's your mentality, if that's your thought process, then all you are is that same person who accepted the invitation but got spotted by the king who noticed he wasn't dressed up in the proper attire for the occasion. And so it's not enough to just have that very narrow, limited perception of what the gospel is. It's it's understanding that, yes, Christ came and he died for our sins, but that there was power in that. There was a force, right, that really shook up the world, right, to the point where Christians arguably, like real Christians, the one who really, really uh, live for Christ, right, those people are really, really hated by the world. Um, and I think a very, very like prominent example of this, this morning I woke up and you know, after praying, I got up and um, I, I went online and the first thing that popped up was this headline that um, I think her name is like Latita Wright. She was, um, she was the girl who played Black Panther's sister in the movie Black Panther. So I woke up to the news that she had like completely disabled all of her social media platforms. So Twitter, Instagram, I don't even know if she had a Facebook, but all of that was removed. And I was, you know, I was kind of thrown back because um, she's a woman that I look up to in so many different ways. Um, again, her name is Latita, Latitia, right, I think. Um, she played a really, really significant role in one of the most incredible movies, I think, of our time. Um, not only was Black Panther a Marvel movie, but it really showcased and displayed like a black superhero, which was something that we've never had before. And so it was a really, really, really big deal when Black Panther came out. And on top of that, with her having a, a very significant leading role, she made it very, very clear to the world that she was a believer. She was so unapologetic about that. And that's really hard, like coming from a place of Hollywood, because Hollywood is often like referred to as Hollywood for a reason, right? The devil really reigns there. It's all about these vices and, and really bad, like just characteristics that uh, a lot of people in Hollywood display, um, certainly not from God, um, but rather the devil. So anyway, she's submerged in this sort of space and in this world, but yet still is able to stand firm on her beliefs um, of her Christian faith. So again, really unapologetic about it really humble, down-to-earth person. Again, somebody I really, really look up to because of that position. So I woke up this morning to the news that all of her social media has been disabled, and this was something that she did on her own. And I'm like, ah, what's going on here? Um, I follow her, right? I, I go, you know, I, I, I look forward to seeing her posts because they're always encouraging. Um, and again, somebody of her position, it's like, this is really great. This is awesome. It turns out, on Twitter, she shared a video from, uh, it was the YouTube video 
from a, a, a popular sort of, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a video so you can see images, but it's more of like a podcast type of thing where they just talk discussions and they were talking specifically about the COVID vaccine um, and some of the different elements or ingredients um, that might be involved in, in not, not all of the vaccines that will come up, but from certain um, pharmaceutical providers, um, as well as all of um, the negative, the negative consequences that may arise from that on a very, very spiritual, scriptural basis. Okay, and she posted that really as sort of an informative thing, right? Um, something that I can easily connect to, right? Because we see these things online, and it's just people who've done their research, people who've asked questions and people who are just encouraging others to do the same, right? So I don't really have a position really on that, whether it's like, oh, people should take the vaccine or not. That's not really what her position was anyways. But again, the point is she um, she, she posted it and she's got over a million followers on all of her platforms. And as soon as she posted that, mind you, this is a video that is very clearly identified as being religious and something that questions um, the popular beliefs, the common beliefs, the status quo about all the discussions being brought up about COVID and the vaccine. So she's posting it just to bring awareness, but 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 of course the world just sh- shreds her to pieces. I mean, talk about internet trolls, internet bullies, they just go after her. And really this is something she's dealt with for a really long time, but I think she was just kind of at her wit's end. Um, and so it, 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 it to me, it was just so heartbreaking to see somebody um, with of her stature, somebody who, you know, I look up to so much. <clears throat> excuse me, just feeling like she had been she had been broken down really by those people. Um, and I believe that these are people who've always really just wanted that opportunity to really kind of get at her, knowing that she's a woman in Hollywood that is so bold about her belief in Christ. But nonetheless, she she still stands on that and she still puts that out there for whatever reason she posted yesterday or whenever it, there was a lot of back and forth and um she ended up just deleting everything right um she may have had other reasons for it um but i think it's very difficult because you know it it, it just goes to show how hard it is to be an outspoken believer an outspoken christian in this world right and I really brought up her situation, um, one, because it was fresh, and two, because, you know, that that's sometimes what it means to be a believer. That's sometimes what it means to wear this, this garment, right, is that you're not going to be loved by this world. Like, your beliefs and your opinions and how you feel about certain things align with scripture and aligns with the things of God, but they don't align in any way with the things of this world. And that's why God tells us, the Bible tells us to not love this world, guys. Like, some of us love this world a little too much. Some of us love this world too much. But guys, this isn't our home, and it isn't our home for the reasons that you probably haven't done your research on, all right? You know, outside of your perfect bubble, right? You've got great friends, you know, your life seems to be okay, you go to school, you know, the world doesn't seem as bad. If you if you step outside of that bubble, guys, and you see the evil, right, the sin, the horrid things, the, just the abhorrent things that happen in this world, 
you would be quick to be like, all right, God, like, when are you coming? Right? Because the things that happen in this world, the things that people are doing, um, it's just really, really evil, very twisted. And so that's why Christ is coming to, to save his people, right? Take us all out, right? Before he really destroys the world and punishes the world. But before that, right, we're here and we're sort of on this journey, on this walk, trying to just prepare ourselves for that feast, preparing ourselves for heaven, preparing ourselves for reconciliation with Christ, right? When we're born into this flesh, it's like we just naturally, we're just naturally drawn to sin, right? It's, it's where, it's, it's where our, our minds and, and our interests take us. But this walk and this journey and this life, you guys, is all about undoing all those things, undoing everything so that we are back in a place where we are so lenient on God. We go to God for everything and we trust him for everything, even when it's really, really difficult to do so, right? Because to me, the, the concept or the idea of sin is really just a, a dependency, right? A love and a dependency for your flesh, right? So it's like you're choosing between two gods at that point. And when you choose to sin, it's almost like you're choosing the God of sin. You're choosing your flesh. You're choosing to do the things that satisfy you, right? Versus what Christ came and instructed us to do is to rather to lean on God for certain things, right? It may be hard turning away from sin, but the whole idea and the concept of repentance, right? I would even go as far as saying, guys, repentance is the garment that we're wearing when we go to the feast to show that we, we're dressed for the occasion, right? You can't go to heaven, you can't go to God and think, you know, say, Lord, Lord, you know, we didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do these things? Oh, we donated here. We went to church. We logged in onto the Zoom call. We did this and we did that. But you haven't repented, right? In your heart, right? And in your mind, in your spirit and in your soul, you're just as wicked and just as vile as those who are in this world, right? And even if you're not one of those wicked people, right? Even if you don't have those thoughts, like the mere idea right the mere concept of you not wanting relationship with god not wanting to know god not wanting to have anything to do with god right again it doesn't put you in the category of those who are doing evil right but it puts you in the category of those who are not with god and everything and everyone outside of that radius of god they just get thrown to the wayside right so you can't be lukewarm in this you can't be lukewarm in this faith You've got to be either hot or cold for God, right? You've got to come to God like, like, you have to come to God like you know who you're going to. You have to go to God like you know that it's it's the God of heaven and earth, right? The God who loves us, yes. The God who's prepared this magnificent place for us. But the God who also demands and requires us to repent. The God who demands and requires us to, to be transformed and renewed by the Holy Spirit. You guys, our thinking has to be different. We can't think and operate the same way that people do, right? And a lot of that has to do with how we treat people, right? What other way do we get to display the fruit of the Spirit, which we also had a couple Sundays when we talked about, what other ways do we have to display the fruit of the spirits besides how we interact and engage with one another? right? Some of you guys, I'll be very honest with you, some of you guys are just mean, like you're mean, 
right? That that that's not it, right? Don't think that at the end of this life, at the end of this journey, we're going to go to God and He's going to accept us into His feast into heaven, and we're going to be able to enter there with that kind of heart, with that kind of attitude, with that kind of personality. It does not work that way, right? The whole the whole purpose of us doing this, right, is so that day by day by day by day. We are renewing our minds. We're being transformed, right? We're, we're allowing God to come and do the work in our hearts and in our lives to make us more like him, right? To make us look like Jesus Christ, right? And what happens inadvertently is you don't look like the world. And if you don't look like the world, you don't fit in the world. And if you don't fit in the world, the world doesn't really like you. But who cares, right? Who wants to be of this world, this world that is like here today and will be gone tomorrow, literally. Like this is not what is going to stand. What is going to stand is eternity with our Father, right? And these virtues, the fruit of the Spirit that we've talked about, right? The different things, I believe, amongst them are love, right? Joy, um, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, all these different things. Like that's what we're doing here. We're trying to exercise these things. On our own, we cannot do it right? We cannot do it on our own. So if you're one of those people, one of those believers who thinks that, all right, like you can read the Bible and you can write down the notes. Okay. This is the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness. You can write it down and then you can take your own approach to trying to like inhibit those qualities. Then good luck. It's just not going to work out for you. Like you're going to fail, right? You're just digging yourself a hole that you're going to fall into and that you're not going to be able to get out of, right? The concept of the gospel is that we need Christ. We need him to help us transform to be Christ-like. We cannot do it on our own. You can't just sit here and listen to me preach about it and then say, all right, I'm going to try to do it, right? This is not like going to school and learning something and applying it. No, this is something that we have to be 100% reliant and dependent on Christ for, right? Because if, if, if we're not dependent on Christ, right, then when we do become righteous or when we do become good, we take credit for it and we give ourselves the glory for it. And that's, that's, that's almost blasphemous, right? We deny the Holy Spirit of the power that it actually has to transform us. And so in order for God to get the glory in our transformation, in our repentance, in our ability to become Christ-like, we have to depend on him. We have to lean on him for those things. So how do we do that? How do we depend on Christ? How do we lean on him if we don't have a relationship with him, guys? And this goes back to all the things we've been talking about in terms of having a relationship with God, knowing God, right? Like, you know, your little two-minute prayer, like, that's fine, that's cool, but let me know at some point, let me know what friendship you've been able to maintain with anybody, right? What strong relationship you've been able to maintain with a family member, a friend, a co-worker, what relationship has been able to stand off of two minutes of conversation every morning and two minutes every night, right? What, what relationship has been able to stand without you taking the time to invest in the person, get to know the person, study the person, 
What do they like? What do they not like? What pisses them off? What makes them happy? Like, what relationship has stood, right, on those, on those factors? None, right? In order for us to be in this place where we're completely dependent on Christ, we have to go to him and invite him to come into our lives, come into our hearts, be the one who does the changes, but then also keep up with that, like consistency with God, right? Because consistency is what makes all of our other relationships thrive. We need that same principle here in our faith, right? Reading the Bible is how you understand God. The Bible says he was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, right? So while the culture changes, while society changes, God has never changed, right? And how assuring is that, right? Because you know that you can read the Old Testament and you can understand the culture of the times and be like, okay, well, maybe that's not as applicable. But you can also look at the way God dealt with people, the way God spoke to people, the way God handled situations, right, in the Old Testament and the New Testament to get a sense of who he is, right? The problem, I feel like, with us today, in addition to having this really narrow, shallow-minded like version, diluted, watered down, like idea of the gospel. We also, we've also created this like vending machine, Santa Claus-esque type of God where it's like the God and the, the God that we've created, right? He loves us and he's willing to give us everything we want. Like, and, 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 and people tell you this, right? People preach this sometimes. And, and there's a lot of, of really great like worship groups who sing songs that basically say that God loves us and he's for us and he's this and he's that. Like, that's fine, but but we really, really rob ourselves of the reality of who God is. Like, why would you want a knockoff version of God? Don't you want to know who the real creator of heaven and earth is? The one who did all these miraculous things throughout the history of mankind and is still doing those things today? Like, isn't that the God like that you want to know? right? Don't you want the real thing, right? That's, that's, to me, that's, that's what we should all be desiring. And so while it's easy to defer and to just lean on like this very easygoing, you know, simple minded version of God that we see sometimes, it, it's, it's, it's a harm that we're doing to ourselves when we don't go and, and do the research for ourselves in reading the Bible. Like, God, I want to get to know you. God, I want to understand how you function, how you work. Like, because in doing that, we then know how to approach him, right? A lot of times when I pray, just like how Christ prayed, it's like you ask God for all these things, you pray for all these things, but then you either perceive it or you conclude with God, but if it is your will, like only if it's your will, right? A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just pray and ask God for things. God, give me this. God, give me this. God, give me this. And if there are good virtues, things that the Bible tells us to pray on, Right, like the things we, we prayed about in the um, the prayer request section of service. If, if those are things that are in the Bible that God has encouraged us to pray about, then absolutely, we know it's His will. We're praying for God. We're just we're giving you that access now to, to bring it into our lives. But if it's you know more ambiguous things like okay, where you're going in life, perhaps who you should be dating, who you should be marrying, things like that. Like we always want God to be involved in like God, if it is Your will, right? Because, you know, even in getting to know God, we'll never fully, we'll never fully know God. Like, we'll never fully get that full picture. Um, God is really, really 
complicated and dynamic and complex and we're not meant to really just have a full understanding of what god is okay we're not meant to have a full understanding of a lot of things right but in just showing god that the interest is there the desire is there that god i want to get to know you right we are doing the preparatory work right for that feast we're doing the preparatory work for eternity in heaven right and I, the only reason why I feel like it was necessary to speak on this is because what good is it, right? What good is it to come every Sunday and tune in and then go back and, and just be the same selfish, rude, disrespectful, unloving, hating person that you are, right? And I'm not saying that's what you guys are. Those are just some examples, right? But but that can be seen, again, in your everyday interactions with people, Right? I am 25 years old, right? And to this day, I am so careful. I'm 25 years old. I'm a grown adult. Okay, I have my own job. I, I can I can I can basically take care of myself basically. But to this day, guys, as a 25-year-old girl, I'm careful about how I talk to my parents, right? Some of you guys be talking recklessly to your parents. And I'm like, have you guys not read the Bible and what it says about how we're supposed to honor our parents and what that means for us, right? The rewards that come in from that. How do you expect to go to this feast to, to meet God and have eternity with him? And you couldn't even so much as respect the authority that he gave you here on this earth. Some of you guys talk to your parents relentlessly. Anyhow, the things you say about them, the things you do to them, like the disrespect, right? doesn't mean your parents are perfect. They're human beings too. But God has set them as your parents, as the leaders and the heads of your life right now. And if you can't show God that you can just even respect them, how, how in the world do we expect God to then, you know, accept us into the kingdom of heaven, right? It just doesn't work like that, right? The fruit of the spirit is, it's like a tangible fruit that grows from, a tree, right? So you can't say that you're a Christian, but then you don't display those Christian fruits. You can't say that an apple has grown now out of an orange, right? It's very plainly seen. Um, and so it's something that I want you guys to keep in mind. It's something that I want you guys to remember in your dealings. Like, never ever forget that. Never ever forget that, you know, th th this is a walk and this is a journey. This is this is like a race, the Bible describes it. You know, it's not just like, okay, I'm here. This is life. Let's see what tomorrow brings. No, we are exercising our faith and pursuing our faith and working out our own salvation day by day, right? Use every opportunity as an opportunity to display Christ-like behavior and how you talk to your friends and how you talk to your family, even the way you interact with people on social media, I know that we're not really able to be out right now, but the way you live your life, let it be clear that this person is a Christian. Let it be clear that this person is Christ-like. Let it be clear that this person looks like they're dressed for the occasion. Let that be clear. Because if, if it's not, guys, and you really put yourself in a really, really dangerous position, especially in times like these, because then it brings about all certain levels of confusion, the devil then has access to you. He brings people and things in your life that will further distract you from God. And before you know it, the rapture has happened or the end of the world has happened. 
and you're left here among with those evildoers, right? You may not be an evildoer per se, but again, because you were not found amongst those who the Bible says are chosen, right? Then you don't have access into eternity. You don't have access with God, right? And so this isn't meant to be something to scare anybody, right? The gospel is not meant to be scary, right? The gospel is supposed to be real, right? It's supposed to be like, what you see is what you get. But the problem is, because that's a reality, the devil has been trying to thwart that perception of reality and make people think that they've got a realistic idea of what what this looks like, when really they forget the part about this, the, 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 uh, the person that was invited to the feast and, and God like saw them there and was like, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. And how, how heartbreaking and tragic will it be on that final day when we meet God? <clears throat> and again, you're listening, all these great things that you did on this earth, all these great works. But God says, away from me, stranger, I never knew you, right? How, how tragic will that be, right? But that's just the reality of it, okay? So my encouragement to every single person on this call today is to assess your faith, evaluate your faith, go to God, be serious, be real about it, guys. There's never been a time more where you need to be serious about your walk and your faith with God than now. The world is rapidly changing. I know that, you know, COVID seems to have gone down, but with everything that's going to be happening, you know, with the vaccine and with these changes um, and just how people can move around and operate, right? It's the, the world is changing, right? And we cannot get caught up in that, right? We can't get into this, this frantic, like, you know, this this franticness, I guess, that everybody else has gotten into, right? To a point where one celebrity posts something and all of a sudden she's evil, right? We, we can't buy into that, right? We have to keep our sights on God. And we have to ask God to continuously transform us, renew our minds, help us to become better people. Guys, this is a real prayer that I prayed. I'm telling you, it's a real prayer, a real experience that I had. It was like, God, I don't want to just do this just to do this. God, make it real for me. Like, God, help me to do this the right way. I don't want to get left behind. I don't want to even be a part of this world. Because the more I open my eyes to see what this world is all about, I was like, this is not it. I want to be with my father who loves me and cares for me and wants the best for me. The best for me may be hard. It may be hard for me to achieve it, but that's okay. Because I'm not expected to do it on my own. I have the Holy Spirit. I have Christ who died on the cross for me and left this incredible power that to this day is still shaking up this world. That same power, I have the opportunity to invite into my heart, to invite into my life and to change me, right? And then you watch slowly and surely, watch how slowly and surely that change happens. And God, God makes you better, right? And your life, the quality of your life, not your life as a whole, but the quality of your life becomes better to the point where corona, coronavirus can happen, people can fall left and right, there can be trials and tribulations all around you, and you still have this, this peace, 
right? That people don't understand. People don't understand how you're still at peace amongst everything that is driven the world crazy. So I want you guys to keep that in mind. I want you guys to remember that. I want you guys to go back and read this passage here in Matthew chapter 22 and, and really focus on verse 11 and, and ask yourself, do I, do I fall in the category of this person who accepted the invitation, who showed up, right, but really didn't stress the part? Ask yourself that and then ask God to help you to become equipped, right, with those tools, those virtues and the fruit of the Spirit that will show that you are prepared for eternity with him um, and just a life that you'll be fully in peace with, okay? So because of time, I'm going to wrap it up there, and I'm just going to close us out in prayer and then um, pass it over to Kevin. Father, we thank you so much for a time like this. Thank you, God, that it is the first week of December, and you have brought us here, God, still pursuing you, um, worshiping you, and having these services, God, because we don't want to be disconnected from you. God, I pray that for every ear that heard the message today, God, that you will just help them, Lord God, either begin their pursuit of truly knowing you and, and truly pursuing the things of God and repenting and transforming their life, or some of us, God, to just continue in that walk and, and to continue just having that mindset of, of knowing you and loving you, O oh God, and leaving the things of the world aside, O oh God. This is not an easy thing, O oh God. And we thank you that you sent your son to die for us and that after Jesus Christ resurrected, he left us the Holy Spirit, O oh God, to just help us in that transformation and in this walk. God, we cannot do this without you. We cannot do this without you. So we pray and we invite you and we ask that you will help us to do this so that in the end, God, we don't take glory for it. Only you take the glory for it. We love you and we thank you again for everything. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.